Can we all rise to read scriptures? Different verses, but let's read it just the same. Daniel 11.32b. Let's read. But the people who know their God. 1 John 2, 3 to 4. Jeremiah 9, 23 to 24. And then John seventeen three. Shall we pray? Father, we just want to thank you for this morning. Thank you that we're alive and well. Thank you that we can come here to worship you. And Lord, we're here because we love you. We're here not because we're forced. We're here because we know that this is what we should be doing and ought to be doing for the rest of our lives. Father, if we're here for the wrong reasons, I pray that you correct that here and now. Lord, I pray that you just dwell with your people and change us as your words speak to us, O oh God. Lord, we thank you for the songs that we have sung the centrality of your son Jesus, Lord, and the things that we need to do in this city. Indeed, Lord, there are things that are happening that are beyond us and are affecting us adversely, we and our family, we and all the people. And our prayer, Father, is that you protect us from all of those. More importantly, even, Lord, use us to change and influence the things that are happening around us. Father, we pray for, for this country, Lord, our hearts are heavy for this country. Things may be looking good physically. The weather may be nice, Lord, but things are happening. The foundations are shaken. Truth is compromised. And this country, Lord, is in, is in danger of, of, of your judgment. And I know, Lord, your judgment is about to come upon this country, so I pray that you will use us, Lord, to change that course. You will use us, Lord, to change this country, starting from our family, starting from us, so that we may indeed, Lord, be able to say that we have done something for you to expand your kingdom for your honor and glory. Give us wisdom now, Lord. Change us from within, and don't allow us to leave this place unchanged as we always pray, for we commit this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Please be seated. Uh, as you can see, we're half full, okay? Um, and the reason for that is, oh, they're here already. The young people are here. You see, I just prayed, okay? But not everybody's here yet, right? Right. I, I was about to say that we're half full because, because the, the young people are not here and only the old people are here. And I'm so happy that half of this place are young people because... The young people are the future of this country. 
Yes? You know? And we at CCFLA have made the resolve that we will address the young people and make them the center and the focus of this church because you are the future of this country. I'm not saying that you're not important, old people. Okay? You are because you are going to be the one to teach these people how to be the kind of leaders that they ought to be. All right? So welcome back. I hope you had a blast, and um, I'm sure some of you will share later, right? Right, right? Good. You know, we have been in this series called Knowing God, and I, ju I, would ju I just would like us to refocus on this series because this, to me, is very, very foundational and very important. I don't like us to miss the point about just going through the series, knowing God. And the key, the key word here is knowing God, okay, and, and we're not just talking about any God. We're not talking about, you know, the small God who are in this world. We're talking about the supreme being and the creator and the ruler of the universe, the God that you and I know, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of Moses, the God of Paul, the God of the Bible. That's what we're talking about here. And what we're talking about here is the one true God of the Bible. That's the person and that's the God that we want to know. No other God. Make no mistake about it. We're not asking you to know about a different God altogether, but a God of the Bible. So this morning, I would like to ask you a question. Okay? And this question can be disturbing, but I would like to ask it nonetheless if you don't mind. Will you permit me to ask this question? Okay? Because I'm going to ask you a question right after this, a follow-up question. And again, the word is ginosko. How many of you, by the way, ginosko is the word for knowing God. It, the Greek word for that is something intimate, personal knowledge of God. It's the kind of knowledge or intimacy that a husband and wife has with each other. Okay? And so the kind of knowledge that we want you to have God is intimacy with God, ginosko. So my question to you is this. How many of you here actually believe that this world, look at me, this world will be a better place if people know their God? Give me a show of hands. Raise your hands if you believe this. Wow. That's almost 95%. Right? I mean... Ulrich, this world will be better if people know their God. Now, since many of you or most of you believe that this world will be better if people know their God, I would like to ask a follow-up question. And I would like a short discussion here, right? Harry, you have to find someone else to discuss it with right there behind you, okay? My question is this. How and why will the world be a better place if the people know God. You understand my question? You guys believe that the world will change. My question to you is this. How and why do you think the world will be a better place if people know God? I want you to share that with each other. Come on, share. Why do you think the world will be a better place? Huh? Cyrus, can you just share it with him? Okay, come on. Why? 
Only the women are talking, okay? The guys are just... It appears to me that the women like their husbands to be better, okay? Women, do you think your husbands would be better if they know God? Oh, wow, okay? The men are not comfortable, okay? Now, okay, good. I hope you were very clear in the way you communicated it to each other. I'm going to ask one person, my favorite, George. Okay. George, can you stand up? Okay. George. Happy birthday, Pastor. Thank you. What did you say to Maribik? Why and how will the world be a better place? If you know, if someone knows God, as to how um, discipleship maybe and uh, evangelism, and as to why there will be no fighting. Wow! Yeah. Very good, right? You know, I don't have the time to ask all of you, but I'm sure you all have answers. But for many of us, maybe when we were asked that question, we were like stunned. Uh oh. Yeah, I know God, but I'm not sure how it will change the world. Maybe you're groping. Maybe you're just, you know, you have so many ideas right there. But this morning, I would like to challenge you. I would like to challenge you because if we're having difficulty expressing the value and benefits of knowing God, if you and I cannot, cannot express to the people next to us why knowing God is very important and that it shows in my life, then it's possible that we who profess to know God really don't know God. Is that possible? We profess to know God, but hmm, it's possible that we really don't know God. Even among us Christians, we say we know God. Nothing wrong with that. I love you for saying that. But at CCF, we would like you to be very, very clear. Why you know God and you can express it to people that you indeed are a person who know God. That background is part of my saying. You know, if we, the people who profess to know God, cannot even explain this to other people, then don't be surprised why the world today is headed towards godlessness and liberalism. You know, when I was praying this morning, my heart was really heavy because, you know, uh, just last week, we had, we had a men's retreat, as I shared with you last week. And there were 500 of us, okay? Five. Okay. And, you know, God was so wonderful with us at that time. But at that point, we realize how this is happening into this world. Today, there's so much godlessness and liberalism. Today, people don't know God. And the reason why this is happening is because the people like us who profess to know God are not taking the challenge to make people know God. How can we make people know God if we ourselves don't know God? You know? There were five of us there. 
And all of us were reminded of the burden that we have as men. If we, the men, the head of the household, do not take up the challenge of taking this upon ourselves to do something to our families and therefore to the society we live in, God help us. Our family is doomed. And that's why I want to share with you again what do you think is the antidote for this trend where the foundations of society are being shaken, where truth is compromised, where morality is becoming gray and everything is relative. Today, truth is no longer truth. Truth is relative. You know, divorce? You know, God hates divorce, but it's okay. It's my right. Therefore, I can do it anytime I want to because I deserve to be happy. Now, what happened to that? There was a distortion, wasn't it? God said it's wrong, but people say, it's my right, and I think I deserve to be happy. That's what's going on today in this world. Why? Because I submit to you, people do not know their God. Because if you know God, this will not happen. The antidote to the world headed towards godlessness and liberalism is knowing God. Knowing God. You know, if you know God, what will happen? You will enjoy God. You will begin to trust God. You will walk with God. You will experience His presence. His, God is almost like there you can touch Him. You will be intimate with Him. And He will be with you. What happens after that? You are changed. Right? You are influenced by Him. And you cannot not change if you know God and you are in the presence of God. And if you are changed, the world will be a better place. Don't you think so? Huh? Hello? Yeah, you know? I can show you a whole new world. You know, it's my birthday and I can sing today, right? You know, if Gita is here already, I wanted to ask her to come here and stand with me so that we can sing duet. Okay? She will be Jasmine and I will be Aladdin. I can show you the world Shining, slimmering, splendid It's my birthday, I can do anything Ha! No, seriously If people are changed If people are touched by God We can actually show them A whole new world A whole new world And you know guys, the key to having the opportunity to show people a whole new world is no God. And this morning, I'm going to talk about this very quickly because I want to give these people a chance to share, hopefully, what God has been doing to them. And I hope you had a nice time knowing God right there in that part, right? I heard you had a lot of food. Okay? I heard you had a lot of visitors too. Okay? And I heard your parents could not live without you for even one minute and visited you. you know, I'm sure you're very happy. You know what? If you know God, families will be happy, society will be happy, and a whole new world will kick in. And it, who knows? Maybe we can change the city of Los Angeles, the United States, and hopefully the world. But Mike, I'd like you to start with your family. I'd like you to start with that lady there. Okay? Ulrich, I'd like you to start with that lady there. 
you will have to get married because you're getting old. Okay? No, welcome. Welcome this guy, Adrian. Okay. The Bible describes those who truly know God. If you truly, truly know God, the Bible is describing you. And I place the word you there because I hope you can see yourself. Because if you don't, then you don't know God. I hope you can see yourself. The Bible in 1 John 2, 3-4 describes the person who knows God. Here's what it says. By this we know that we have come to know Him. Very clear. If we keep His commandments. Wow. The one who says, I have come to know Him, does not keep and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him so do you see yourself there a person who knows God says you will keep his commandments are there any commandments of God that you are not keeping today because you don't feel like they favor you if there are, then please don't profess to know God. Because a person who knows God says, I will obey. And if you say you're a Christian, and if you say you know God and then do not obey, the Bible says, I did not say it, you are a liar. And the truth is not in you. That's painful, isn't it? But that's, let's call it a spade. Call a spade a spade. The truth hurts but the truth changes another description of the Bible it describes the one who truly know you and I hope it's you hi Char hi Pia Daniel 11:32b. but the people who know their God will what display strength and take action what is the Bible saying if you know your God you'll be strong okay Strong, you can drive the ball 300 yards. Okay, Alvin, God says that. Okay, yeah, but you know, Ulrich said, I can drive the ball 400 yards even if I don't know God. Okay, I think it's not talking about physical strength, it's talking about moral strength, it's talking about righteousness altogether, and it's talking about action, right? You are decisive, you move because you know your God. If you know what's sticking in the heart of God and, he, and your heart ticks in the same way that the heart of God ticks, meaning the same wavelength, you will do exactly what God wants. Yes or no? Yes. Because that's what the Bible is saying. The people who know their God will display strength and take action. If you're not strong and if you're not taking action and you're just sitting there all your Christian life as if nothing is happening, then maybe you don't know God. Then perhaps you don't even know the importance of knowing God. And that even if we have been at this series for the last six months, nothing has happened to you because it just went through you and passed through you. And it's not impacting you. This morning, I would like you to take a reassessment of where you are so that you really find out if you know God. Because if you know God, you have to change and there will be a whole new world. Everything 
Knowing God is central and everything to the Christian. Say that to each other. Knowing God is central and everything to a Christian. It is central and everything to a Christian. What does that mean? Because knowing God is eternal life. Look at this. John 17.3 You want to be a Christian? Why are you a Christian? First of all, you became a Christian to be saved, right? Because you don't want to go to hell. But I hope that you just didn't stop there. What is the Bible saying? Knowing God is central and everything because it's about eternal life. John 17.3 says, This is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. How clear is that, ladies and gentlemen? How central and how 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 knowing God is everything to us as Christians. You know, it's bigger than the air you breathe. It's bigger than the food you eat. It's bigger than the career you're looking for. It's bigger than the person that you want to get married. It's bigger than the career or the purpose that you want to achieve in this life. Because the ultimate purpose of everything is knowing God and nothing less. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Because it says, if you don't know God, believe me, you don't have eternal life. That's, that's what it says, right? Look, the consequence of not knowing the only true God and Jesus Christ is what? What is the opposite of eternal life? Hello? Eternal death, right? And eternal death, in simple words, is what? Hell. People who don't know God will go to hell. The Bible is very clear because the Bible says this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Therefore, if you don't know God, and if you have no idea what it means to know God, Guys, I want to shake you up this morning and wake you up and make an assessment of where you really are as far as knowing God is concerned. My question to you is, do you really know God? In spite of our being Christians for so long, do you really know God? I hope, I hope this message will change your perspective altogether. You know, I wanted Elaine to recite this because she memorized this long ago when we were starting the Bible study, but... Let's just read it together. Jeremiah 9.23. Thus says the Lord, Let not a wise man boast of his wisdom. Let not a mighty man boast of his might. Let not a rich man boast of his riches. But let him who boasts, boast of this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord. How clear is that? You're rich? I don't care, God said. You're wise? I don't care, God says. You're good looking, like me? I don't care, God said. Okay? If there's something that you have to boast, God said, you better boast that you know me and you understand me. Because that is central and that is the key to the Christian life. Do you know God? Knowing God must be life's ultimate purpose, right? So this morning, I want to talk about knowing God and that it is your life's ultimate purpose. Let me paraphrase that. My life's ultimate purpose. Say that to each other. Knowing God. My life's ultimate purpose. Come on, say it. Say it. Knowing God. My life's ultimate purpose. This morning I have two challenges for you. Right? 
after I present this challenge to you, I'm going to quit and let's have a birthday party. Okay? Honey, do we have the lechon ready? Sorry. Two challenges. Number one, I want us to have an honest assessment of our knowledge of our God. Number one, I want you not leaving this place without an honest assessment of whether you know God or not. Okay? Because we're going to find out how to know God. Of course, our uh, brother George says, okay, what did you say? Basta! Okay? Basta! Discipleship, I heard. Okay? And then number two, commit to fast track our getting to know God through discipleship. Number one, assess where you are. Do you really know God? Number two, if you don't know God and you want to know God, let's fast track that, okay? And let's not dilly-dally anymore and let's go straight into, straight into the issue of discipleship. And I'm going to challenge you later about this. So, this morning, I want to talk about a story. A story that is so dramatic about knowing God and how we see people who know God versus those people who don't know God. It's a nice story, the story of Elijah. You know the story of Elijah and the 450 gods that he challenged at Mount Carmel? Right? Those of you who went to, to the Holy Land, you will have a chance to go up to the Mount Carmel and you will see exactly where that place happened. And here's the story. Okay? Let's, uh, let's read this together. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. You see the situation here? Elijah versus the other people. The people, the Israelites were, were already being confused, right? They have other gods already because they intermarried and they were influenced by many other things. And the people who used to know their God, the Israelites, who were focused on the God who brought them out of, of Egypt into the, into the promised land are now confused, right? Because they have so many other gods. And here, one hand, there is Elijah who represents God and the other 450 what? Prophets of Baal. And what is the condition here? He's challenging them. Okay? You get your ox, I get my ox, I get my wood, you get your wood. And let's have a showdown. That's what he's saying. Let's continue. Then... You see the picture? So they have an ox, they have a fire, they have to put it, and in fact, they, sh they cannot put the fire because they were going to challenge God to put the fire. Called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal,
Do you see the situation here? The 450 prophets of Baal were given the chance. Was there fire? They were given the whole day. Right? Again, look at the contrast. Then Elijah. So with the stones, he built an altar. What is Elijah doing? He placed water so that what? The fire doesn't have any chance to be ignited, right? I mean, look at what Elijah is doing. In the meantime, what happened to the prophets of Baal? Did something happen? Nothing. And so here we are, Elijah, he's putting water and water and water upon the altar. And of course, there laid the ox. Continue. The water flowed. You see the prayer of Elijah? And then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Then Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Don't let one of them escape. So they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. Guys, this was a dramatic show, one of the most dramatic scenes in the Bible showing God's awesome power, right? On the one hand, 450 prophets, nothing happened. On the other hand, only one prophet, Elijah, and God did what he had to do. But I would like to draw your attention to the prayer of this man. The focal point of this dramatic scene is the prayer of Elijah. Look at his prayer. Look at his prayer. O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that you are God in Israel, that I am your servant, and I have done all these things at your word. And look at verse 37. Answer me, O Lord, answer me. What is the purpose? That this people may know. That this people may know. That you, O oh Lord, are God. You know, God demonstrates his power, awesome might, almost a miracle for people to know that there is a God, a powerful and an awesome God. And many times, we are that miracle. Many times, we are that, that, that changed lives or, or the story that needs to be seen so that people will know that God is God. That we change not because of our own power, 
but because God changed us and God will know and the people will know around us that there is a God. And then look at the last part and that you have turned their hearts back again. You know, it is my prayer that all of us will know God so that when we know God, we will be turned back from where we used to be. I don't know with you, but when you came to Christ many, many years back, I'm sure some of you, many of you have been on fire for God. But recently, something happened and you kind of just, what? Walk along leisurely and you're not on fire. You know why? Because you stopped knowing God. And my prayer is, we want to rekindle that so that you can be put back to where you were with God on fire. And that's our challenge for all of us this morning. You are God in Israel. And then he says that people may know that you, O Lord, are God. And then what happened? The Lord did what he had to do, right? Drama. Boom. Okay, the trenches were what? Dried up. And of course, there was lechumbaka after that, right? And then what happened? The people fell on their faces. The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. My question is, did the people get to know God? Yes or no? Louder. Yes. Were their hearts turned back again to God? Yes or no? There is something about the power of God within us that works and let people know that there is a one true God at work. My question to you again is, look at me. Do we, you and me, do we really know God? There are people who say they know God. And my hard question is this. How do we know if they really know God? You know, Ulrich, if you look at me, will you see that I really know God? If I look at Tony, my friend, golfer, if I look at Tony from head to toe, will I know that he really knows God? Hard, huh? Oh, he's going to Bible study. Oh, oh, he prays so well. Oh, he gives so much to the church. Does that mean he knows God? I don't know. Titus 1.16 says, They profess to know God. Hmm. Look at this. But by their deeds, they deny him. Being detestable and disobedient and worthless for any good deed. How will we know, Harry, if the person knows God? By their deeds. By their deeds. Look at this. Look at the deeds of the people who were worshipping Baal. So Ahab sent a message among all the sons of Israel and brought the prophets together at Mount Carmel. Elijah came near to all the people and he said, look at this. Look at the question of Elijah. How long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. You know what? Why the people did not answer? Because they were struck to the core. They knew their God, but how come they're following another God? They profess to know God, but how come they behave in a different way? Look at them. These are the people who were what? Were led by God out of Israel, out of, out of Egypt. And they knew God through 
the Red Sea. They knew God through many miracles. What are they doing now? They're bowing before the Baal, the prophets of Baal. But what were they doing? They were actually sitting and struggling in the fence, wavering between two opinions. Aren't we sometimes, or most of the time like that? Oh, please, we want you to become a committed follower of Christ. No, 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 uh, maybe later when I am old. Because right now I'm busy making life for my family, right? You know, God will understand. Uh, who is your God, by the way? Oh, my God is the God of the Bible. So, so how come you don't want to obey him? No, but I have to do something here. Aren't we sometimes like that? We're struggling in the fence and we can't seem to make up our minds whether we're going to obey God or we're going to obey the bales of this world. Come on, guys. Money, possession. Bata pa, shopping na. Pero Christian yan. Okay. Aren't these the other gods we have and we struggle between the two? And we can't seem to make up our minds, who are we going to follow? And this morning, nothing wrong with all of these possessions, guys, by the way. They're good. But please don't make gods out of them to make you struggle in the fence and choose between this and this God. Because God doesn't like that and it will show that you probably don't know your God by their deeds. By their deeds, you will get to know them. Yan, mahal na mahal niya, nag-propose pa sa Ross Boulevard. Oh. Okay? Disciple ni Adrian yan. Okay? Pero sinabi ni Adrian, Uy, meron tayong discipleship. Hindi, magko-propose muna ako. Okay? Saka na yan. Kasi baka mawala tong girl na to. Okay? I mean, look guys, there's nothing wrong with pursuing someone, but please, do not put them above God. Okay? You know, you should know how to decide that God is God, period. Titus 1.16, they profess to know God, but by their deeds, they deny Him, being detestable, disobedient, and worthless of any good deed. Look what they do, you know? Wow. Kagagaling lang sa Bible study ng dalawa, okay? Alright, sa payato, okay? What happens? Then, you know, Husband and wife, they, they marry, they, they, they start so well, they fight, they argue, and they profess to know God. These are Christians, okay? And then what happened? They divorce. And what happens when they divorce? You know, the kids are torn. They leave collateral damages behind you. And we were talking about, what, the, the 500 of us that met last Tuesday, we talked about this, okay? And believe me, there was one of us who went home, changed. At least one. Okay, And I heard that the person, when he went home, the wife did not recognize him because he was changed. Guys, if you know God, you will change. And your deeds will speak volumes of who you are. 1 John 2, 3-4, By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. So my question to you is this. Do you think you really know God? Do you think so many good Christians really know God? First of all, does God want to be known? Yes. Of course. 
God wants to be known. It's our problem. We go away from God because God wants to be known. God says or in, in Psalm 19 verse 1 and 2, the heavens proclaim the glory of God, the skies displays craftsmanship. God wants to make himself known to you and me. Right? And then in Romans 1 20, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made. God wants to declare himself. Does God want to be known? Yes. He, you know, God even walked with Adam and Eve when he created them. He was walking in the paradise. When a person walks with you, he wants to meet you. He wants to know you. And he wants to make himself known to you. Yes or no? Right? And you know, the ultimate sign that God wants to know, God wants us to know him and he is making himself known is through Jesus Christ. Look at John 14, 6 to 7. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. The ultimate proof that God wants to be known is through Jesus Christ. He sent his son Jesus Christ precisely for us to know God. And if you know God, you will know Christ and you will become Christ-like. Hello? You'll become Christ-like. You'll become Christ-like. And discipleship is what we're talking about here to become Christ-like. Why don't people really know God? There are four reasons. And I'm going to go through this quickly. And I hope that one of these four hits you and make you, make you assess where you really want, what you really want to do as far as your knowledge of God is concerned. The first one is this. People are not told about the ultimate importance of knowing God. They don't know. Oh, is it important to know God? Mm, okay. Well, yeah, the Bible in Psalm 78, 3-7 says, Which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us, we will not conceal them from their children, but to tell the generation to come the praises of the Lord, and his strength and his wondrous works that he has done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded, to our, commanded our fathers that they should teach them to their children, that the generation to come might know, even the children yet to be born, that they may arise and tell them to their children that they should put their confidence in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. You see, whose work is it to communicate this to the people? Parents, older Christians, this is our job. And the 500 of us last week talked about this. If we, the father of the family, fail to communicate this thing and we become passive and neutral, we are destroying the future generations to come. What a responsibility. And that's the reason why people don't know their God, don't want to know God, because nobody told them. That's number one. Number two, people don't really know God because they have no personal experience of him. I really like this. I personally know God because I have a personal experience with him. What, I mean, what do I mean by that? A deep personal encounter with him. You know, I should be paralyzed by now but I'm walking because God let me. And that to me is a deep personal encounter with God that will change me forever and ever as long as I live. Okay? This has a deep personal experience with God. That stubborn, disobedient woman who doesn't want to be subject to the husband is now very meek and gentle and because God touched her life. I can go through you one-on-one. -on -one. And those of you I know 
who are so vibrant for the Lord today because you know God. The reason why you are vibrant is because you have had a deep personal encounter with God. And for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, it's about time to pray to God. Lord, I want to personally experience you. Because if I don't personally experience you, I will never get to know you in a very special way. How do you get to have a deep personal experience with God? Very simple. Obey. If God is telling you to do something that is so difficult and painful for you, obey. Because when you obey, you will see the Red Sea parting. You will see the fire coming from the clouds and, you know, consume that altar and the oxen and the water will be dried up compared to the offerings of the other guys who are not happy, which are not happening. Do you see what I'm saying? There's a contrast and you will see that your God is powerful and bigger and you will never be the same. And trust me, you will change and you will know your God. Number one, what's number one? Nobody told them. Number two, you have no deep personal experience with God and I challenge you, have one. What's the key? Obey. By faith, obey whatever God is telling you right now. Number three, people confuse deeds. What are deeds? Bible study. Nothing wrong with that. Worship. Nothing wrong with that. GLC. Oh, GLC later, by the way, huh? Missions, etc. They confuse those things for God, which they do for God, with knowledge of God. They're different. They're not the same. You know, just because you're doing this and this and this and this, you say, I know my God. And yet, your behavior has not changed. Please. You know, your going to church will not make you a Christian until you know God and until you know Jesus and Jesus changes you, will you become a true Christian and you will know God. Hosea 6.6 6, For I delight in loyalty rather than sacrifice. Sabi ni God. In the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. Look, we want you to attend Bible studies. It's part of it. But please, don't go to Bible studies just because people are asking you to go to Bible studies. The reason why you're going to the Bible studies is because you want to know God and in that Bible study, God will reveal himself to you in a mighty way so that you will obey. Why don't people know God? Finally, some people simply do not want to know God because they know they are in sin. Which they enjoy and do not want to give up. God is speaking to you right now. And the reason why you don't know God is because probably this is true in your case. You have such a favorite sin that you enjoy. I don't know what that is. You might be a golf addict. <laughs> you might be a shopaholic. <laughs> now, look, I'm not talking of blatant sin here, okay? Like you've murdered someone or you know something. No, I'm talking about subtle sins, which are what you call respectable sins. And you've, you've over the years, began to accept it as okay with God, but actually not okay with God. Like bitterness. Unforgiveness, anger, unsubmissive spirit. These seem not like acceptable. But you know, in the eyes of God, you will never know God for as long as you are in sin. And you know, here's my, my warning to you. Galatians 6-7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. 
For whatever a man sows, he will reap. I beg you, if you are in sin right now, and God is speaking to you, get out of that. Because that is the very reason why you don't know God. Because by your deeds, it will show that you don't know God because you love your sin more than you love God. Oh, by the way, sin is pleasurable, isn't it? Right? Alex, we've been sinning, no? We've been eating a lot of cholesterol, you know. And I'm confessing before, you know, Jean, that I fed uh, the husband many cholesterol because we were working in the house, okay? You know, but, you know, we, when we were eating the cholesterol, we said, this is good, huh? Okay. You know, sin is like that. Sin is so good, it kills you after a while if you're not worried about it. <laughs> Jeremiah, how then can we really know God? And I will close with this. Remember number one, I hope that you have had a good assessment of your own knowledge of God and I hope you have a good idea of how you know God right now. And then number two, I would like you to fast track, okay, knowing God. And how do you know God? How can we really know God? According to Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you search me with all your heart. And then promise, God promised, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Now, is God hard to find? No. It's only up to us. It's only up to our desire, okay, to know him as earnestly as we can. And then he said, you will find me. And then Mike, look at this. There are so many mics here. And if I say Mike, every one of them look. I will restore your fortunes and I will gather you from all the nations, from all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place where I sent you into exile. What is God saying? The moment you give up your sin, the moment you come to me and repent, the moment you seek me with all of your heart, the moment you pray, I will reveal myself to you and I will return your fortunes and bring you back to where you were. Blessed. So that people will know that the Lord is God and the Lord is good. You will seek me and find me when you search me with all of your heart. What does with all of your heart mean? That means it's your top passion. It's your top most desire. Whatever your desire is right now, well, I don't know what that is. It may be food. It may be, I don't know. It may be someone. Replace that and put God above that. And that's what it means to seek him with all of his heart. Displace all of those and put God above that. Otherwise, if you don't do that, it is unacceptable to God. And don't pretend that you know God because God is not pleased. Pursuing God with all your heart to find him. Larry Crabb in his book says, requires a search, exposure to truth, a decision to submit to God's commands, and an immersion into Christ-likeness. And I added, to be Christ-like. If you want to know God with all of your heart, I submit to you, be discipled. Again, commercial na naman, Pastor Dan. Discipleship lang pala babagsakan nito. Because that's all there is, guys. The reason why I'm like this and the reason why some of you are changing is because we were discipled. I was driving with, with Nat today and he was relating to me the stories of the people he's discipling. And my heart was warmed because I can see heart, the heart of not saying, yeah, it's true. When you are being discipled, people change. 
And the people you're discipling will change and you are the disciple will also change. Be discipled, guys, because that's what it takes to be Christ-like. And that's what it takes to know Him if you seek Him. If you want to seek God with all of your heart, be serious. Be discipled. Commit yourself to discipleship. And I am here. My wife and I are here. Pastor Insong and Lynette are here. The leaders of this church are here. If you're a leader of your church, I want you to stand up. I want you, if you're leading a group right now, stand up. Please stand up. If you're leading a group right now, please stand up. And I want you, I want you to see the, all, of the, all of the people around. These are the people that you can approach. These are the people that you can, Romy, I think you're supposed to stand up too. Come on, Romy, you're, you know, you, Tony, you're supposed to stand up too. Come on, okay? Right? See, these people, these people are shy. Don't shy. Right? Who? Uh, uh, you know, please. The point I'm trying to make is this. People, if you want to seek God with all of your heart, be discipled. There are people here who are willing to commit to disciple you as long as you're willing to be discipled. We're willing to teach you, I and my wife, and all of these people will do what we have to do to teach you discipleship. Thank you so much for standing up. Discipleship will address, look at this, the discipleship will address the four reasons why we don't know God. People are not told about the ultimate importance of knowing God. If you're in a discipleship group, and if you are being discipled by someone, believe me, okay, they will tell you the importance of knowing God. How often? How about week to week, moment by moment, they will call you and remind you, hello, right? That's discipleship. Number two, people don't really know because they have no personal experience with him. Your discipler will address your issues. What is it that you're having? What is it that you're having difficulty obeying? I want to kill my husband. So, you know, please don't. No, 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 no. The Bible does not. Your discipler will correct that right away. And then your discipler will say, don't kill your husband. Okay? Let's work on him later. Let's kill him if he doesn't obey. Okay? But in the meantime, I want you to submit and drink this medicine of submission. Okay? When you drink that, You'll be changed, and when you're changed, believe me, you will have a deep personal experience with God. Right, Tess? Yes. See? Very loud. Right? Uh, right, Susan? Atisu? Atisu is not answering, oh. <laughs> Never mind. Okay? People confuse the deeds for God with the knowledge of God. If somebody is discipling you, they will tell you, hey, it's not about Bible study. The Bible study is also a only a vehicle. The GLC is only a vehicle. Worship is just an expression. But we want you not to miss the point. We want you to become Christ-like, obey, be transformed, and see the power of God in you, and you will know your God. Finally, sin. Your discipler, if he's really a true disciple and who is discipling you, he will pray for you and not stop until God intervenes for you to give up that sin. That, to me, is discipleship. So my challenge is how pursue God with all of your heart and mind, be discipled, commit yourself to discipleship, and you will know your God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. First of all, thank you, Lord, for the way that you have worked in the retreat of the young people. They're all here right now, and I know, Lord, they're raring to speak and tell the world and tell the people
about how you have spoken to them and how you have changed them and how you've revealed yourself to them. Our prayer, O oh God, that this retreat is just the beginning of the young people's discovery of you, knowledge of you, and commitment of you. Our prayer, dear Lord, is that they will now understand that this is not the end. As a matter of fact, it is just the beginning of the work that you have cut out for them. I praise you and thank you for them, Lord. I praise and thank you for, for the leaders who've organized this, and I praise and thank you most of all for the way that you have spoken to the people who participated. And to the young people, I challenge you now, get to know God even more. Commit yourself to discipleship. Be disciples so that you will disciple others as well. And by your deeds, people will know that there is a God, a powerful God who can change our lives and create a whole new world. Lord, I pray for the same thing for all of us, the adults who are here right now. Those of us who are struggling in defense. Those of us who cannot make a commitment to obey you with all of our hearts. Lord, I pray that you will encourage us. I pray that you will nudge our hearts and move and make a step forward to be discipled, O oh God. If there's any one of us here who's not yet being discipled, Lord, I pray that you make this message speak to him or her in a very powerful way so that she will not leave this place not willing to be discipled, to know you, to behave like you, your son, Jesus Christ, for your honor and glory. Father, we thank you. And we are a people who are committed to know you as our life's pursuit. Thank you, Lord, for the way that you're moving in this church. And thank you for, for, for using this church, Lord, to impact the lives of families and even the, the, the city of Los Angeles and even the world. Lord, into your hands, we just commit ourselves to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Praise God.